A good review from a user named Pluto Gash. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been quite a hot month of July. It's my birthday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What'd you get me? Uh, I got you my presence at a pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the only way to beat the heat. Yeah. In order to celebrate Jeremy's birthday, he... Uh, had suggested everybody go to uh, swim in a pool together. And so the other night, Jeremy spent the night at my house in order for us to get an early start to our day and go to the pool. Uh, But this coincided with my air conditioning dying on the hottest day of the year. Yeah, it was, um, it perhaps was the hottest, was it? I don't know. Uh, Yes, the, the following day was the hottest day of the year, and that was the... Well, that was at the point the hottest day, only right. to be overdone by the following day. Jesus Christ. Um, and so I had to have somebody come over and fix my AC. In the meantime, we were just boiling in the house and getting angrier and angrier as the day went on. Yeah, it was driving me <laughs> to a point of madness. Yes. I was uh, uh, very short when Tyler showed up, and then he like <laughs> left right away. Yeah. <laughs> I slept like two hours that night as I just sat there and just sweated in my bed. (laughs) That sounds about right. Uh, So, yeah, it's been incredibly hot, but... uh, And I was kind of worried that they wouldn't be able to fix things in a day. Yeah, I was kind of worried, too, but thankfully they did fix it. It just took several hours to chill out. Right. Like, I have a... I have, like, a home that's nicely chilled that I could return to, but... There's no way I was going to come back and podcast if it was still hot in here. Yeah, I, I would have probably legitimately just canceled for the week. Yeah, it would be the only way. But um, uh, thankfully, it's it's chilled out. Um, the upstairs of my house still gets a little warmer than we'd like, but I got a fan going. We do have a fan, and I was saying I always think it's a little warm up here. I'm always sweating, but uh, I mean, you see me. Yeah, you're a sweaty boy. You were covered- born sweaty. Yeah, I'll die sweaty. But I think with this fan going, it feels pretty okay right now. Yeah, it feels nice. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely die sweaty. Probably on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a hot one. It's been a hot month of July, and now it's time for a hot month of August. Yes, here on the Raincoat Report. Yes, so uh, this is Boss here with Jeremy. Yeah, we baked ourselves, and now we're ready to uh talk about another uh another doris wishman film somewhat yes okay so I'm, yeah this, i'm calling it this uh film which we got as part of uh agfa's doris wishman collections mm-hmm. uh was a film originally directed by socrates caps the philosopher uh yes i believe he was one of the philosophers wow they don't have any 
none of his written work remains because he existed in a kind of a pre-literate society at that point. Right. But it's good that this film managed to survive. Yes. Down this, the down the centuries. Yes. This uh, this predated the films of Plato and those of Aristotle. Yeah, it predates the films of Christ as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, this uh, is mankind's oldest film, and we're happy to bring it to you today. Yes, we are. Uh, but this uh, was made in Greece, and uh, then adapted for American audiences by the lovely and talented Doris Wishman. Mm-hmm. And uh, it certainly feels more like the work of somebody else than Doris Wishman. There are those moments of Wishmanism. Yeah, uh, they've been Wishmanized. But uh, more than anything, they seem like uh, this seems like a competent thriller. Yeah, it has uh, a bit of that, uh, I don't know, Hitchcock edge, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Not quite as tight, but uh, it's got some twists and turns. It's got some thrills and chills. Yes, it does, and uh, we have a cast of maybe people. more of like a, maybe more of Polanski, maybe perhaps a bit of a Polanski, a bit of a maybe a knife in the water or cul-de-sac or some such. Yeah, uh, I've only seen one of those. I'm, I'll leave it up to the audience to decide which. <laughs> but uh, we have a cast of uh, well, Greek people that we've never seen before. Yeah, they're um, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> Right. Uh, so yeah, this film is uh, a little bit less sexy than a lot of the films we cover, or less sex-filled. It might be sexier than some of the films we've covered. Yeah, I definitely would put this above uh, the succulas of the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a hot month of August, and... Yeah, and uh, this will be released... In August. Yeah, I think it's kicking it off, because I picked the movies this time. Yeah, you did. Uh, I, I did all right. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I I didn't realize this was a Greek film when I chose it. Yeah. Because the plot of it, as described, does sort of kind of have like a Doris Wishman sort of a spin on it of a, con- t- a tale of conspiring lovers. Yes. So uh, I was like, okay. I was like, that sounds like fun. Uh, and I was like, it'll probably be soft works. This is from 1966. Right. So uh, I was like, that could be a, a fun little change up. And uh, it was, but not for the uh, the reasons I would have expected. Is my mic on? Yeah. I sound like I'm off. Maybe I'm just off personally. You are off personally. I'm off kilter. Uh, all that time in the sun really did a number on me. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when I fell asleep in the pool? Yeah, you slept in the pool for a little bit. Yeah, I was just like in a, what do you call it? One of those little rings. Yeah, an inner tube. An inner tube, that's what it is, yeah. I kept wanting to call it a life preserver, and I guess in that moment it was. Yeah, otherwise <laughs> you would have just drowned. Yeah, I probably would have woke up when I hit the water, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe but, you uh, would have slept as the water just be nice. enveloped you. That sounds pleasant. <laughs> uh, that would be a way to go, I think. But, I think uh, my mom would have been mad if you died in her pool. Yeah, I definitely would have turned into soup at that point. <laughs> I was falling apart. I was pruning up too hard by the end of it. Yeah, he was pruning up, and I noticed that like around his fingernails, he was extra pruny, so I was pretty sure that his fingernails were about to fall out. 
they have held tight, thankfully. And I'm, all the moisture is back in my skin now. But, uh, yeah, I took a nice nap in the pool. Uh, I think it's just what I needed. It is. It is yeah. what you needed. You, the... you were you were getting very frustrated as we all were again because of how hot the month of July was. Yeah. Uh, when I had to go out and clean my car so we could all pile in it, I was probably at the angriest. I <laughs> came back in and accidentally like slammed the door and yeah. to your thing, and you were like, "Don't slam the door!" And I was like, "It was an accident." <laughs> but uh, I was ready to be like, "I'll slam it again. I'll show you slamming." But I was like, "No, it's just the heat." Just got to cool off. Uh, but now we're all cool and uh, ready to take you on a, a lovely Mediterranean vacation. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I guess without any further ado, we'll take a little bit of a break here. We'll cool down a little bit more. Yeah, I need it. I got heated up during this segment. <laughs> Just thinking about how hot you were yesterday. <laughs> yeah. My brain. I had like a terrible headache. I don't know if you had a similar experience. I had a headache. I think it was mostly, though, because I only slept two hours that yeah. night. I think my headache was probably induced from falling asleep in the sun and just kind of drifting in it for, <laughs> I don't know, like half an hour, like 40 minutes. Yeah. It was really nice because uh, I could like just, I was just half floating mm-hmm. and also was the inner tube was just big enough that I could kind of lay my head down on it. Yeah. Uh, it was pleasant. And I would wake up and I would hear you all talking some shit. And I'm like, oh, they're still talking. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> and uh, that's how I spent my day. It was a lovely day. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Happy birthday, Jeremy. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, <laughs> with that, we'll take a quick break. And then we'll yeah. be back to talk a little bit more about the hot month of August. Ooh, boy. on the raincoat report and it's the month of august it's the hot month of august and we're going to kick it off by talking about the hot month of august what if it gets really cold that would be cool that would be cool especially after how hot it's been yeah if it just dropped to like 30 and we all froze to death yeah we could look like jack nicholson at the end of the shining yeah because we would all be outside We'd be caught unawares. We would be in our summer clothes. And it would flash freeze us. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't also be too bad. Considering how hot it is, yes. Yeah, I can't think straight when I'm outside at this point. And it's just, uh, I don't know, I guess climate change is real. And if it it indeed is, uh, it's probably just going to keep getting hotter and hotter until I go insane. (laughs) but uh let's go back to when the hot month of august was cooler than it is now yes in the mid 60s yeah especially in the lovely waters of greece 
yeah. Uh, the only thing hot then was uh, all that Greek snatch. Yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, lovely hot Greek ladies. Yeah. So we open. They're not as hairy as they would lead you to believe. No. But maybe that was just the 60s, probably before then, before they imported uh, razors and stuff. <laughs> uh, who can say? Yeah, I guess so. All right, well. So we open on a, a jazzy number playing and some stills of people naked together, um, some others of people having fun on a beach. I think these are all stills from later in the film uh, as we get some credits. The film proper opens with us cutting to a ship at a dock being boarded by passengers. Inside, we watch as a man is led to his cabin. This man is Jason, who is uh, played by Giannis Furtis. Uh-huh. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. The great Giannis Furtis. Uh, he's narrating in first person, talking about how... He felt like there was no chance of him being able to find a place for himself in Athens. He's uh, wandering into the hallway, and he hears a woman singing la-la-las as he's walking by. He pauses to listen and continues out to the deck. And then we see the woman emerge from her cabin and also walk out onto the deck. On the deck, we focus on an older woman with her daughter... Uh, they're talking about Jason, who they see across the deck. Uh, apparently, they knew Jason when he was younger. And as Jason approaches him, the old woman greets him and notes that he must remember her daughter here, Hope. The older woman walks away, and Jason and Hope start to catch up. Hope. Hope lingers, in fact. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he think, says. You think that's a Wishman touch? Perhaps. So I don't know if that's a traditional Greek name. No, uh, looking at the cast, nobody's credited on the IMDb as Hope. Yeah, there's like a Martha. Yeah, maybe that's her. I don't know. Well, for our purposes, she's Hope. I think it might be Elpida, because there's a credit for Elpida's mother. Okay, yeah, that's the only mom we see. Yeah, other than Jason's mom. But Jason's Iason. <laughs> yeah, that's how they spelled it. They don't have a J, they have an I. I'm confused by the Greek language. It's different than ours. It is. It's got it, a different alphabet, too. Yeah, especially the alphabet. Uh, just how they do things over there. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But I don't like it. <laughs> So Jason tells Hope that he's been spending time in Athens, and she says that she's mostly been just going to school. He mentions that she's all grown up now, but gets distracted looking at another woman across the deck. The woman that was singing earlier that he listened to. Oh yeah, the uh, wonderful la-la-las. In narration, J Jason notes that he failed in Athens, but in his hometown of Throxus, he could still be someone. He notes that Hope's father is rich, and her mother likes him, so that's a good thing going for him. We then cut to Jason at a bar on the ship. He's introduced to the bartender, Costas, by a man we've seen wandering around the ship this whole time, Al Macris. Yes, who 
bears a uh, kind of a passing resemblance to David Bowie. Yes, I also thought he looked a little Bowie-esque at first. Yeah, he's got kind of a Bowie vibe from like the mid-70s when he was wearing like a lot of like suits and doing a ton of cocaine. Yeah. And uh, this character, I assume, has a similar life. I think so. So Al and Jason chit-chat at the bar. Al explains to Jason that he provides a service for older ladies who like the companionship of younger men. Yes. Jason asks how he can enjoy himself with older ladies, and Al suggests that he could show Jason, noting that he likes older ladies because they have a real need and real money. But he also notes that he could still con the younger women and tells Jason to watch him. So Al approaches the woman who was singing earlier, and uh, we eventually learn that this woman is Alexis, I believe. Um, unless I'm confusing her with another woman. Anyhow, Al approaches the seeing woman and lights her cigarette. He talks about how women who travel alone, well, there's about 40 reasons why they would. And the first and most important is that they're tired of their husband. She asks why he would think that she was interested in a replacement for her husband. She also asked if he's the merchandise that he's peddling, or the salesman, as he as she looks over at Jason. And uh, our friend is quick to uh, turn pimp. Yes. As the woman walks away, Al tries to stop her, but it's too late. Al tells Jason that she was more interested in him than she was in Al. He then suggests maybe he and Jason could team up. Jason seems disinterested in this and walks away. Yeah, we he, he tries to get him on into the gigolo lifestyle. He doesn't want that gigolo life. No. He doesn't he, have that gigolo style or that gigolo flavor. No gigolo swaker. No. None at all. So Jason's on the deck asking himself what he can do, noting, I can't go back to Athens. And he also notes that he wasn't really interested in Al's offer. Perhaps he could explore a relationship with Hope but he's just unsure what his next step should be. We then see Jason approached by another lady, Alexis, who he gives a light to. She steps and looks over to the side of the boat, and they exchange glances. He leans in to kiss, and she tells him that she wouldn't suggest he do that right now. Then, they kiss anyway, and she invites him back to her cabin. We get a shot through a porthole of the couple in the cabin standing and making out. Jason starts to undress Alexis and unleashes her nice breasts and starts to pull off her stockings. He kisses all over her body and pulls down her panties eventually, though we don't see the goods up front. And importantly, we never see their faces. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I would think that this is probably uh, something that Doris Wishman cut in. Yeah, that seems quite likely. Yeah, uh, I think that goes for pretty much all the sex scenes in this, which are all softcore. Yeah. But uh, you just usually don't get like a good focus on a person's face or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty easy to assume that they're doubles. Yeah. Alexis does turn around to reveal her ass, and we see her bend over as Jason lays back on the bed and she kisses him. Jason is also undressed. Uh, but there's a hook or fixture in the foreground that obscures his junk. 
We do see his balls a bit as we get a shot of Alexis on top of Jason in a cowgirl position. We see them make out more and then cut to some shots of the shore. Then we see our passengers disembarking from the boat. Hope and her mother are looking for Hope's father who's supposed to meet them at the dock. They see Jason stepping onto the shore and chat with them for a little bit. Then we cut to Jason having dinner with his family. Yeah, I believe Alexis is the singing woman from earlier. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all the same woman. Uh, these Greeks all look the same to me. They're thick heads of hair. Yeah, it's all Greek to me. I already did that one. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut to Jason having dinner with his family. They want to know about his future plans, and he's unsure. Apparently a mortgage registrar named Spiro died, and Jason might be able to sneak in and snatch his job up. Jason seems hesitant and pivots to asking his parents what they think about Hope. His mother notes that she likes her, and uh, his father notes that her father's rich, and whoever marries her will get plenty of money. Jason decides to go on a walk to contemplate things. He's in his head and decides that he's going to take a month to figure out what he's going to do. Then, he might have to get a job. We then see Jason meeting up with Hope outside her house. She invites him to join her inside, telling him to wait a minute for her to put on something comfortable, and uh, afterwards he can climb into the window of her room. Jason scales the fence outside her yard and then climbs into her window and starts to make out with Hope. We see Hope wearing a sheer nightgown and some panties. Jason says, this is wrong, and says that she's just a girl, which makes me ask, how old is she? Uh, she's just a girl. <laughs> Hope tells him that she's a woman when she's with him. This encourages Jason, who immediately pulls off her gown and kisses Hope's breasts and sucks on her nipples. He pulls down her panties as well, and uh, we see a bit of her bush there as we watch Jason kissing her body through the window. I think that we see their faces in this scene. Maybe so. Hope undresses Jason as well. They make out, and she eventually uh, starts to go down on him. At least we see the back of her head against his crotch. We cut to Hope and Jason swimming around and sitting together on a rock near the shoreline, and they make out a bit. Some uh, members, I'm assuming, of Hope's family yell out to them to come back to the shore, and they swim back. Hope wants Jason to play some beach ball game that involves a paddle with them. I think it might... Is this, is this pickleball? It's it looks similar to pickleball. I don't know all of the details of pickleball. I know that it's become a big deal in the recent years. Sweeping the nation. Yeah, it's a it's a craze. It's a craze. Um, I think this is it. Okay, she just runs out of the ocean and just like ruins a game. (laughs) Like she just goes up there and is just fucking around. At some point, the ball gets knocked away, and Jason chases after it. When he finds the ball, it's laying next to Alexis, the woman he met and made love to on the boat. Wow. She asks for a light, and Jason returns the ball. As Jason runs back towards where he got the ball, Hope asks where he's going, and uh, he goes over and gives Alexis a light. Alexis notes that she lives next door to Hope, though they aren't too neighborly, as she says. 
Jason makes plans to meet with Alexis at the Cohill Club later that night. Mm-hmm. Hope calls out for Jason again, and he tells Alexis he'll see her later before returning to Hope. We then cut to Jason and Alexis meeting later. Alexis apparently has been married to a rich businessman for seven years, but he's gone all the time and currently in Germany. At another table in the club, we see Al, the man that Jason met on the boat, uh, with one of his women. Yes, uh, a lovely older woman. Yes. Al waves at Jason. Alexis notes that she sees his friend, and Jason tells her, He's not my friend. I just met him on the boat. Jason and Alexis dance for like ten seconds before she suggests that they leave. We cut to Alexis and Jason walking along the shore and stopping to make out as Jason caresses. Get a close-up on the con. It's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. I was playing with the buttons. <laughs> uh, they stop to make out as Jason caresses Alexis's body and they slowly sink to the sand. We then cut to Jason in bed naked with Alexis, her turning off the light and them making out. He tells her he loves her and that she's the most exciting woman in the world. Jason kisses his way up Alexis's body and they make out more. Alexis kisses up Jason's back. She demands he tell her that he'll never leave her and he says never. We then cut to Jason arriving at home. He tells his dad that he'll tell him his decision on that job offer tomorrow. We then see Jason arriving at a restaurant to meet Alexis. But this time she's there with her husband, Yorgos. Yes, we meet Yorgos. Yorgos greets him and Jason joins their table. Yorgos asks Jason where he met Alexis. Alexis barks that she already told him. They met on the boat. Yorgos notes that he heard Jason was looking for a job and he offers to talk to him tomorrow on their boat. He might have something for him. Yorgos says that he's tired and heads home, suggesting that Jason should take Alexis home later. After Yorgos leaves, Alexis notes that she thinks her husband is on to them, may have hired somebody to follow her. She notes that she saw someone watching her in the street. Jason notes that they should stop seeing each other for a bit then, but Alexis tells him doing so would prove him right and she doesn't want him to stop seeing her. We cut to Yorgos walking home, talking. He notes that he was right. She found a playmate. He then thanks an unseen figure for the information he provided. He asks what they should do now, and that's at this point that the person he's talking to is revealed. It's in fact Al. Ah. Al suggests that they stick to the plan and says something about a photographer. Yorgo says instead, Al should just go back to Athens. Al then demands to be paid, and Yorgo says he'll write a check. Al adds that Yorgo shouldn't underestimate his wife, noting she's very shrewd and cunning. Yorgos hands over a check to Al, noting that he should remember that they've never met. Al agrees, and Yorgos wishes him a good night. Quite a twist here. Indeed. Uh, Al was, he's a PI. Something on, like that. He's on the case. He's a, uh, but he's not really a gigolo. It's his cover. 
Maybe he's both. That would be good. It's good to diversify your income streams. Yeah, for sure. Especially in Greece, where the economy is uh, not as robust. I bet in the 60s it was better than it is today. He still had to work two jobs. I guess that's true. (laughs) (laughs) At the restaurant, Alexis says she'll get a cab alone. Jason tells her he'll love her always. We then see Alexis on foot walking through some trees. A man comes out of nowhere and grabs Alexis and starts to make out with her. It's Al. Oh, shit. There's another twist in this story. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Yeah. Al tells Alexis that her husband wants him to leave and paid him off. Thick, tangled, greasy Greek hairs. <laughs> formed into a web. Al tells her that he's not leaving, though. Apparently, they're using Jason as bait while Al and Alexis are having an affair. I guess you could call him Jason Baitman. (laughs) (laughs) There goes my hero. I just put in my notes, this is weird. (laughs) Alexis tells Al that she wants him and opens his shirt. She tells him she wants to feel him in her and for their bodies to be one. We see their legs as they undress and some shots of him on top of her, mostly obscured by trees. We then cut to the boat, where Yorgos, Jason, and Alexis are riding. Yorgos brings Jason a drink as he's steering the boat. Jason notes it's too early for him to drink. As Yorgos is walking away, he trips and falls, screaming out. Jason says they need to get him to a doctor. We then cut to Yorgos being seen by a doctor at home that says that they'll have to look at x-rays tomorrow. I thought thought this was a ruse. I thought this was a ruse as well. I was like, he's going to like knock uh, Jason into the water, was my assumption. Yeah, I thought he was going to get close to him and get pushed overboard or something. Yeah. uh, No. In fact, it seems that Yorgos was legitimately injured. Yeah, he's just a klutz. He... Fucking just slipped on the deck of his boat. And, and he's got his... those uh, old man bones. Yeah. They, um, they shatter like, uh, like glass. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis leads the daughter out and then walks outside herself. As she walks through the trees, she's approached by Al. Alexis tells him that Yorgos broke his leg and he'll be stuck in a wheelchair for a while. Alexis notes this has given her an idea. Now he can trip and break his neck. Al notes this is a good idea and suggests that she needs an alibi, suggesting that she can meet with Jason and use him as a witness that she wasn't there at the time. She says she can leave the door unlocked and then Al can go in and steal some jewelry and make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Mm. Alexis then meets with Jason, who is walking to her front door. She asks him to join them for dinner, and tells her maid that she can leave after she can leave the house after dinner. Inside, Jason asks Yorgos about his leg and takes a scotch and water for himself and Alexis. Yorgos proposes a toast to his wife. Alexis leaves and tells everybody she'll be back. 
She looks out the door and we see Al in the trees watching the door as Alexis opens the door and leaves it open. I just want to note that I would die if I had to wear a full suit in the hot month of August. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but everyone here, everyone back then just wore suits all the time. That's the only way you could be taken seriously. Yeah. That's why they had to invent air conditioning. <laughs> People refused to take off their suits. Back at the table, Yorgos thanks Jason for keeping his wife company, noting she must be bored when I'm gone. We see the maid leave and Al run towards the house and into the open front door. Shouldn't the maid have shut the door when she left? Uh, does she? I think he just... Did Alexis tell her not to shut the door or something? He I don't said, like, not to lock up. I don't but know. There Maybe is she a, did. I don't think so. I think there is a point where she's like, no, don't close the door. But then she goes outside. No. Uh, that might be earlier. Yeah, I don't uh, know. There's some weird, there's some screwy stuff going on with the door here. They, this maid is pretty naive. I'm going to say it. Yeah. I don't like to say it, but I'm going to say it. We see the trio at the dinner table, and there's a thump sound they hear. Jason offers to check and walks around the house a little bit, the mostly dark house. He sees nothing and returns to dinner. We then see Al sneaking through the hallways and going through some stuff, pulling an item out of a bag of luggage. He pulls some jewelry out of a drawer and stuffs it into his pockets. Al runs out the front door, and then we see him hop on a boat at the docks, stashing the jewelry and then uh, running away from the boat. Mm -hmm. We then see Al return to the house, and we cut back to the trio at dinner. Yorgos tells them that he's going to bed, and Jason says that he's going to leave, with Alexis offering to show him out. On the way out, Alexis tells Jason that she must see him later, and she wants him to meet her at the boat. Jason says that he can't see her anymore. Alexis tells him that they love each other, and Jason says it isn't love. Alexis forces a kiss on him and stops to tell him, I'll see you at the boat. But as Jason walks out the door and closes it behind him, he gets a last word and says that he won't see her later. Yeah. He's had it. Al rushes into the room, telling Alexis that the plan won't work if Jason doesn't come to the boat. Alexis tells Al not to worry. They'll get rid of Yorgos. We see Yorgos in his wheelchair, and he's watching this conversation from the top of the steps. Yeah, he's heard it all. He knows that he's in trouble. <laughs> I think uh, it was Al's mistake to run into the house. Yeah. That seems like a bad plan. Everybody is, of course, oblivious to the fact that Yorgos is listening in. We see Jason walking, and he hears Hope's voice calling out to him. Alexis tells Al, Jason will be there. Don't worry. She confirms Al put her jewelry on the boat. Jason and Alexis walk away together, and then Yorgos goes to call for help. Just as he's grabbing the phone, we cut to Al cutting the phone line in the other room, just yanking it out of the wall yep. and saying they don't want him to call for help. And indeed, in the other room, Yorgos is unable to get a dial tone. No, he cannot. This, uh, this is bad news for Yorgos. <laughs> 
We see Jason and Hope sitting together in the grass. They lay down next to each other. Jason tells Hope he's never going to see Alexis again. He says it's over, and he's glad. Hope says that she's glad to hear that, and Jason tells her he loves her very much. We then cut to Yorgos, who reaches into a bag of luggage and pulls out a revolver. As Al and Alexis go to walk up the staircase, seemingly to end Yorgos's life, <laughs> Yorgos is watching, and as they round the corner, he fires his revolver, hitting both Al and Alexis. It's such a tiny little revolver, too. Yeah. It's like a quarter of the size of his hand. <laughs> but he fires several shots from it. Yeah, and you know, it's enough. Yeah. Alexis collapses completely on the stairs and falls down. Al hobbles his way out the front door. Yorgos drops his gun and stares down at Alexis. We see Al stumbling his way to the boat. He climbs aboard and then just collapses. Mm -hmm. We then cut to a photographer taking pictures of Alexis's body. She is apparently dead. Yeah, no, she died. Those little BBs pierced her heart. Yeah. A detective is told that her husband is upstairs, so the detective joins Yorgos and says that he wants to ask him some questions. Yorgos promises him he'll do anything to help find who killed his wife. The detective notes there are three places set at the table, and Yorgos informs him that they were joined by Jason for dinner. The detective asks if Jason and his wife could have been more than friends, hmm. and Yorgos acts offended by this. The detective asks what happened after dinner, and Yorgos says Jason left, his wife went downstairs to read, and he knows he must have fallen asleep because he was awakened by his wife screaming and the sound of gunshots. He notes that the phone was dead, so he remembered that the police patrolled the area hourly, so he used his flashlight to get the police's attention during one of their patrols. The detective asks where Jason lives and notes that they'll need a list of the jewelry. The detective then goes downstairs and asks the doctor there if Yorgos could have walked in his condition, and the doctor says that he could not. No. Uh, him not being able to walk was not a ruse at all. It was a crucial plot point. No. And of course, uh, I don't think I made it clear, but when he got done shooting them, he dropped his gun, not just in front of him, but down the stairwell so that it landed on the ground floor. Yes. And uh, maybe it's gone. Do they recover it as a murder weapon? They might have, but this is the 60s. They don't... Yeah. I don't know. The 60s in Greece. Their police work is uh, sloppy at best. It's, yeah, they don't do fingerprints. They don't trust them. I don't know if those... Ex I don't know if... Well, fingerprints probably did. Fingerprints did. They couldn't, like, DNA test it or anything. Yeah, they couldn't check the sperm sample that was left on the gun. <laughs> we then see the detective arrive at Jason's place. Jason's parents are crying and stressed as the detectives are talking to them. And Jason walks through the front door and the detective's goons snatch him up. The detective's gooners. Yeah, the detective's gooners. They get him. Uh, they take Jason and leave his mother crying. The police then take Jason back to Yorgos's place for some reason. Yeah, well, he has to identify the body. Uh, and they don't have a coroner's office on this little <laughs> island, I guess. So they drag Jason in, and he sees a body covered in a rug. Yeah, he which was is... another funny thing. Uh, <laughs> just like, uh, 
draped a rug over her. They're just like, cover her up. We got to sell this place. <laughs> and then Jason is the one who has to lean down and uncover her himself. Yeah, this is bad crime scene management, I think, just from the basics of forensics that I understand. Yeah. So as he reveals Alexis's face, he cries out, Oh, no! And then we cut to some blurry shots of naked people. Thanks, Doris. We see bodies entangled with one another in bed. We don't get terribly good shots of their faces, indeed. No, no and it's And this kinda... uh, continues for a couple of minutes kind of interposed over with some like imagery of waves and stuff as well yeah yeah after this wraps itself up we cut back to jason looking at alexis's body and collapsing passed out yeah he came in his pants and <laughs> blacked right out we see the cops waking him up splashing water in his face jason says alexis can't be dead but the police say that he should know it's true because he killed her the police interrogate him. They ask where he met Alexis, and he explains it was on the boat. They ask if he met anyone else, and he mentions Al. They ask where he was after he left Alexis's house, noting that he didn't get home until hours later, and he didn't explain his absence at this point. All things considered, at this point, he probably should have. He should have just taken that job, Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> They suggest that Jason told Alexis to meet him somewhere that night, uh, but he had no intention of meeting her. He was going to rob her house when she was out. But when he went to rob the place, he saw that Alexis was there and ended up shooting her. They say that they're charging him for murder and take him away. We see two detectives talking. One has a hunch that this wasn't Jason's doing, suggesting it might be Yorgos. They start asking questions, wondering about Alexis's will. Yeah. The last, like, 20 minutes of this becomes like a police procedural. Yeah. We cut to Al, who is apparently still alive on the boat. I thought for sure that he had died when he collapsed on the boat. Uh, he reaches towards the jewelry above him and grabs it, but then collapses again as some of it spills on him. We see the detective get some message via cable and read it. And then he arrives back at Yorgos's place and talks to him. He mentions he has to check into all suspects. Yorgos mentions that he had to... Oh, no, wait. The detective mentions that he had to look into Alexis's will. Yorgos then, as soon as he says that, immediately asks if he can charter a plane, which is totally suspicious. <laughs> the detective notes it's up to the district attorney... Yorgos says he has to transport Alexis's casket to Athens. So the detective ends the conversation and walks away, leaving an envelope with Yorgos. Yorgos opens it up and finds that he gets nothing from Alexis in her will. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, she was the rich one. Yes, apparently. It's like, like a big Lebowski situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Her money is all to go to charity. At the police station, Hope is there with her mother. And it's at this point that she admits to the detectives there that she spent the night with Jason. She mentions that she met him in the garden, and after a while, he joined her in her room, and they made love. Hope's mom, mom is displeased. Yeah, she's not happy about this one. We see a shot of Hope and Jason naked, standing up with each other, making out. Then them on the bed, him licking her belly button, more mm -hmm. making out. 
Which again makes me wonder why is her mom in here to hear this with her? Uh, um, I don't know because she's not old enough to make a confession on her own. <laughs> That's perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. We cut to Hope saying that Jason couldn't have killed her. The detective tells her to give her statement to one of his co-workers. She asks if the detective believes her, and he tells her no. He thinks that she's just trying to get Jason out of trouble. Hope's mom comforts her here. And then we cut to Yorgos getting on a plane, which is accomplished by loading his wheelchair onto a forklift. Yeah, this is before they had ramps. No one had invented a ramp yet. Yeah. The detectives are watching him as he goes. I kind of expected them to do like some kind of comedy bit where he rolled off the back of it, but <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that's where my mind went. Probably just awful. We cut to the docks, and a family is going to get on their boat. The children climb aboard and find Al's bloody body. Is, is this their boat? Did he get on the wrong boat? Or is this just like their boat they meet the screw on that doesn't belong to them i think it might be a perhaps it's a boat they meet to screw on or something because it okay. doesn't look like the same type of boat that your ghost was on earlier right he was on uh like a sailboat yeah and uh tricked me i thought he was doing a ruse but he was just a klutzy old man yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah this is like more of like a uh like your type of uh pleasure cruising vessel yeah not quite a yacht I don't know all the boats. Yeah, this is one of those... It's canoe? It's not a canoe. It's catamaran? It's not a catamaran. Trireme? I don't know what that is. That's a Greek boat. That's what they would fight in in the, in the wars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one was Greek. That's pretty good. I didn't even mean for that to happen. So anyhow, we, so see, smart. <laughs> we see an ambulance speed over, and then we cut to Al in a hospital. Somehow, he is still not dead. No, he's... Uh, I tell you, those are just like BBs he shot them with. The police join him and ask him to tell them what happened. We then cut to the police station where Jason is pacing in his cell and smoking. He notes an internal monologue that he thought his future was with Hope, not locked up. He also says, poor Alexis, and wonders who murdered her. He mentioned letting his parents down and never making a decision on that job, but... That's taken care of now. He says, it's the end of August. The hot month of August. Oh, he said it. We got it. We then see Al wrapping up talking to the cops. and says, that's what happened. <laughs> the detectives talk to each other. They're going to have the police in Athens send Yorgos's plane back. And they're going to have to let Al... And they're going to have to let Jason go. The one detective tells his captain... We all make mistakes, and the captain silently storms off, pissed off. Yeah, he was like just like a bumbling cop. Uh, it's a good thing Al survived to relate this whole tale. Yeah, especially with this uh, detective who didn't really like to worry about evidence too much. No, he... He just failed his way upwards, and all yeah. of his uh, subordinates have to do all the real police work for him. Yep. The Greek way. We see Yorgos on the plane in Athens. The airport staff are talking to the cops, and Yorgos is watching out the window as a police car approaches the plane. Yeah, he was saying something about how, whatever, he got like a message or something, and it sure was lucky, and then immediately... 
That's the end of Yorgos. We cut to Jason leaving the police station. A nearby car drops off Hope, and they embrace and walk off together. And then, the end. Wow. And that is the hot month of August. And what a scorcher it was. Yeah, I'm burning up inside. All right, well, we're going to go take an ice bath and cool off. Yeah, I need to, uh, yeah. I need to, uh, feel like I'm about to have my kidneys removed. (laughs) So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to give our final thoughts on the hot month of August. It's a scorcher. It's a hot one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, without any further ado, we're back here on the Raincoat Report, and it's time once again for... The Raincoat Review! <laughs> this wasn't a Doris Wishman film. Not really, no. I feel cheated. And I feel like I've cheated our audience. Well, you know, mm, you win like- some and you lose some. I'd like to offer, I'd like to issue a formal apology. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, what we got was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed this one. It was uh, it was definitely light on the sex. Though, so, uh, it had some good, it had, uh, it had some good flesh in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, there was, there was a pretty uh, attractive uh, group of women in the film. Yeah. The, the bodies, the naked bodies you see, quite nice. Uh, even clothed. Yeah. Just fine. But, uh, yeah, I was not, like I said earlier, I was not expecting this to be a Greek film. I suppose if I had looked a little more deeply, I would have found that out, uh, even if I looked at the cast. But I figure Doris Wishman's, like, in New York. There's probably a lot of Greek immigrants there. <laughs> you can make a movie with them. Sure, sure. Why not? But, uh, yeah, this one's a, it's a, it's a nice little thriller it's got a couple cool twists and turns into it. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, it is more competent than like most Doris Wishman films. Uh, at least in the departments of uh, looking good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's well put together. It's uh, not like super tightly plotted for a thriller, but there's a there's enough there to get you through. Yeah, I there's mean, a lot of, there's some twists. There's a. Uh, your mysterious femme fatale. I thought it was good. I thought I like a film where there's like a little conspiracy against a guy. Yeah. Uh, Jason though is almost superfluous to like anything that happens in the film. <laughs> yeah. Like every decision uh, that he needs to make is made for him. Yeah, he is in fact one of the big plot points is that he can't make any decisions. Right, and he's just kind of useless, which is it's pretty cool. You don't see that too often. Yeah. He exists just to be bait for various plots. And then he just kind of <laughs> uh, stumbles uh, stumbles in and out of incidents. Right. Uh, pretty, pretty blindly. And 
I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, this was a this was one I really enjoyed. I imagine the soundtrack was probably redubbed as well from uh, the original Greek, and uh, I liked it. I think the credits of it is film soundtrack by film soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So I assume Doris just grabbed up a bunch of library music and things like that. Probably, yeah. Uh, but sh- whoever did the actual editing together, I don't know if it was her or not necessarily. Right. Uh, the Something Strange DVD says Doris Wishman presents, so I'm not 100% sure what she did on this. Right, right. Uh, but uh, her taste in Greek films is pretty good. I don't yeah. think I've ever really seen one before. I didn't even see my big fat greek wedding even though that one was huge uh i'd recommend uh wild pussycat okay which was uh put out on blu-ray by mondo macabro uh but it was the film that joe diamato ripped off for emmanuel and francois okay i like that one uh and uh Tale of two sisters yeah and tale of two sisters and, and them chaining up a man yeah their boy that lives in a behind a wall <laughs> yeah i think that the diamato version's slightly better than the original just because it's a bit crazier but yeah. the original is very good cool uh yeah i thought this film like the scenery and stuff it has a very like nice like mid-60s look to it uh it has that like nice mid-century kind of vibe to a lot of like the interiors and everything mm-hmm. uh camera work was very nice i think it's a good looking film right like i said the soundtracks you replaced it with is pretty good the dubbing's not too bad either yeah it's in fact i would have expected worse dubbing for a doris wishman like dubbed film but right it was fine yeah it was good uh i would say i would probably give this one like a three and a half i think if you're looking for uh i think if you uh we're going through the Doris Wishman films. This would probably be like on the lower order of things you would watch. Right. But uh, it's something I kind of just pulled at random out of my butt to cover. Uh, I enjoyed it. All right. I think uh, if you like this sort of thing, if you're like a Hitchcock, Polanski kind of fan, and you also have a taste for uh, a taste of flesh, the <laughs> you know, this would be the way to go. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? Three stars? Three and a half? Something you said like three that. and a half. I'm going to give it three and a half. I'm going to stick okay. with that. Uh, I can't make up my mind. I'm like Jason. <laughs> kind of, you know, that's another thing. You can really relate to him. He's kind of drifting through life, hoping for the best, <laughs> hoping you don't spend the rest of your life in jail because of a mistake. So I, I enjoyed this film. Um, I did like the thriller vibe of the whole thing. I appreciated kind of the tangled web being woven here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of uh, very lovely looking flesh shown here. Um, The plot kept me engaged throughout. I would say that this doesn't like rise super high. Like there isn't anything that I would say is like super great about this film. It's just tight and well made yeah it's a competent film yeah i'm gonna give it three i think three's fair uh i think for three and a half there would have to be like something in the film that makes me go this is this is well above average and i would say that like as far as competent thrillers are concerned mm-hmm. this is 
decent. David Bowie having the double twist was pretty good. Yeah, that, that was good. That's probably the height the height of it. I liked when Yorgo shot them with his little gun. Yeah. I Can think... I get a little gun with the podcast money if it's teeny tiny? <sighs> no, you don't need a gun. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> what if it makes a cute little noise like, pew, pew, and I shoot it? You just keep putting holes in my kitchen walls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to be shooting it off during the show. That's fair. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, three stars. Three stars. How would you rate the month of August itself? Generally speaking, I don't know, two and a half stars. It's would, hot. It's hot, and it's. I think it's long. I think it's one of the ones that's got like 31 days, maybe. I'm April, not gonna... June, past September. Yeah, no yeah. August. August no. isn't one of the 30s. It's a 31. It's a long one, and it's, it's the... Uh, it's the February of summer. I think we can say that. Yeah. It's hot. There's too much light, and it's too long. Whereas February is, there's not enough light. It's too cold. It's very short and dark. Yeah. But even though it's the shortest month, it feels like the longest month. Two stars to August. Also, when my dad would make me play football, football training started like August 1st. Oh, the yeah. The worst hottest time of the year oh man two days after my birthday also Uh, real nightmare i'm giving august one and a half okay fair (laughs) enough well uh follow us on instagram and twitter at raincoat report uh raincoat x oh Oh. instagram and x yes follow us at at raincoat (laughs) report uh threads raincoat report i don't think we post there yet but i don't have x just go ahead and follow us yeah once x dies for sure for sure, I will post on threads. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Patreon. Uh, rate, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, Patreon.com slash raincoat report. Last week, we covered one of America's uh, greatest shows, or America's most popular shows of the 90s, Roseanne. Yeah, one of America's beloved sitcoms. And we talked a lot about Roseanne and also Roseanne Triple X. We talked a lot about her uh, substance abuse problems. Yes, we did. So uh, that's something worth looking forward to. And we as we talked about a lot of stuff that I do not remember on that episode. So uh, <laughs> maybe dig in and figure out what the hell I was saying. Yeah, Jeremy. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I sent Jeremy the the episode description. And he was like, "What? What am I talking about on these episodes?" <laughs> Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, yeah, by the time we get to Patreon, I'm pretty loose. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, you think I'm loose on the main show, you know, spend $5 and spin the wheel, spin the wheel, make the deal. Yeah. And don't forget your raincoat. coat. <laughs> <laughs>